Hey guys, I'm David. In this episode, Bryce, Marshall, and I talk about hating football, dreaming, and what we wish our dads had taught us. Here we go. This started because we wanted something that didn't exist for us. Scheduled space to speak freely. About our struggles, secrets, and successes. We wanted to challenge ourselves, hold each other accountable, and help each other grow. We don't always know what we're talking about. But that's kind of the point. Instead, we believe honest, open, vulnerable conversations move us toward deep connection and meaning. We invite you to join us, listening in and creating your own conversations with your friends. Welcome to Cucumber Talks. Alrighty, so I think you guys already noticed my uh, topic is why I hate football. American and, football. Uh, yes. Yeah, thank you for <laughs> clarifying. American football to our uh, international listeners. <laughs> so you are a soccer fan? Yes or no? No, not really, to be honest. <laughs> like, to be honest, I hate that too, but that's a different episode. <laughs> Do you hate all sports or just American football? Yeah, people are going to think I'm like a quirky millennial for this. <laughs> but, like, uh, I... <laughs> don't I like I do enjoy watching I guess um like more extreme sports sometimes I do like UFC um so that's football's really not extreme it. enough <laughs> yeah I was, Sorry, I was I'm gonna say not really football's no. pretty extreme I mean you I'm end not up trying with to like slam on football, after but, the, yeah <laughs> after your career is over all right, tell yeah. us why you, why you don't like football. So, yeah, I mean, the I think, because I was thinking about this for a minute, and I think one of, one of the biggest reasons, and I don't know if you guys can relate, is that I didn't really grow up watching football. Hmm. And I think that plays a big role, you know, when you do things with your parents when you're younger or, or you know, whatever. I think that kind of attaches and kind of follows you along your life sometimes. But yeah, I mean, we were, you know, we would watch movies and stuff. My dad, my mom, they didn't really care about football. My extended family did, I guess. So I think that's the biggest reason. But personally, I guess now, I think a lot of it also has to do with where I live, you know, being in Ohio is like a huge football love. I don't know if you guys follow football at all. But I, I know Ohio State and it's pretty yeah, big there. And, you know how we are. Right? <laughs> Cleveland Browns. Yeah, it's a, it's a big football city and state. Yeah, I mean, especially college football for Ohio State. There was always, you know, growing up, apparently everybody in Ohio hated everybody in Michigan because that was our big rival. <laughs> but, you know, they're like, oh, don't say the M word. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I think because it was just like shoved in my face and like down my throat all the time. Like everywhere you go, there's Ohio State. And that's fine. That's great. I, I 
I love that people can, you know, come together and enjoy something. But I, I don't know. And especially growing up, I, I think I already mentioned before that there was a, <laughs> it's going to sound pretentious, but the, the snowboarding like club that we had. Yeah. <laughs> so like, there's no, there are no mountains or anything like that. There's some places to go snowboarding, but that obviously caught my attention because it was a new thing. It wasn't like the typical baseball, basketball, football, and it was like in the snow. And I didn't really hate snow like everybody else did. <laughs> so. So you were an elitist snowboarder. It's like sticking your nose up at all those yeah. football and basketball players. Yeah. All those cavemen. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely bigger into into snowboarding, skateboarding. I thought it was cool. And um, yeah, I mean, that's really it. I don't know if you guys feel like the same. I And I don't know, did we talk about this, that apparently the Super Bowl is like coming up or whatever? Yeah, the Super Bowl is <laughs> Apparently. That's hilarious. <laughs> I... <laughs> It's going to sound like so douchey, but like, I, I really didn't mean to like talk about this right when the, <laughs> it just like shows the, you're legit. If you actually didn't know that the Super Bowl was Sunday and we're talking about this this week. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no, David yeah. really doesn't, doesn't care about football. Like, it's not like you just saying this. <laughs> and I, Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry if people like football, like that's great. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just wanted to share a little bit about that. I was big in, you know, I, I think bottom line is I just didn't grow up around it. I was more into like video games or, you know, weird sports that people did on TV. Like, you know, skateboarding was big growing up. It was kind of a newer thing. It was like fresh. It's like, uh, you know, like when you are growing up and your parents, like argue over something constantly maybe it's the same thing i mean this didn't really happen to me but it's just like i'm using it as an example when you grow up around people that argue over something all the time it really has like a negative reinforcement you know and it kind of pushes you away so i, don't know, I think that was probably one of the biggest reasons as well i don't know did you guys grow up being like force fed football or your parents like didn't really force care about football. stuff like that. <laughs> no. So my, my story is kind of like really similar to yours. And then <laughs> we took very different paths. So that's kind of interesting. I'm curious what caused you to be opposed to it. And then me to like, I won't say fall in love with it, but like be pretty interested in it. And because we had that mm. same path where that's interesting, yeah. Probably from until the age of twelve, I would say. Yeah, probably about twelve. I didn't care about football either. And it wasn't really something that was in my life. Mm. And I think it I know my dad would watch it and I would see other people watching it, but I 
I didn't understand it. It was a harder game to understand. Like it wasn't as straightforward as basketball. You know, it's more complicated. The rules are more complicated. It's like, I, I still don't understand some of the, the rules even after watching it a lot. Yeah. So Same. It might have, might have had to do with that. Um, yeah, I was definitely more into basketball. Not like I wasn't huge into anything, but basketball was definitely more appealing when I was younger. I remember, you know, shooting hoops often. Right. And on that's our driveway. <laughs> it's also because it's more accessible, right? Like anybody can just put up a, a hoop in their, their front yard. Exactly. And you can just play with your friends. It's really easy. It's cheap. Or you can just go to the park and there's a basketball hoop and it's free for everybody. But football, you know, it's harder to play. Like you can, you need more people. <laughs> you can grab a ball and run into the wall. Like that's your opponent. Yeah. Like I remember playing like touch football at church and, mm. you know, just whenever there was a large group of people, but that was less frequent than um, basketball. Cause basketball, you know, I had a basketball hoop so I could just go in the backyard and play anytime and friends would come over and we could play together. But yeah. Football because nobody really knew the rules and nobody really knew what they were doing. It was just running around acting crazy. Mm -hmm. it, it definitely, and it's, it wasn't organized. Like, yeah, it's, it's really hard to be right. good at it too. I mean, there's a whole other, there's a whole bunch of conversations we could get into with why you do or don't like it, but you know what I mean? Like it's, if you're playing football, like basketball, if you're terrible at basketball, you can still kind of run around and, be there and get the ball every once in a while and try to shoot football if you're terrible you're just gonna get like it's not fun <laughs> mm. you, you know what i mean like it's a, it's, it's sort of yeah. different it's like ice skating like let's say you didn't know how to ice skate you just can't play hockey like you're not just gonna go out there and play hockey football is kind of similar if like you can't throw a football because your hands are too small or you're you know you like you don't know the rules to the game like it's really hard to get into it I was curious because when you were saying that, I think there's a definitely a cultural side of it where people like football or or baseball or any sport really because it's like what our family does or what our school does or what our you know church or our our group that we do this type of thing every you know Monday night or Sunday or whenever we do this type of thing. There's the other one though where you played it as a kid, and like I didn't play football as a kid, so there's not that. When I watch it, I don't think of myself as a player, you know, sort of casting myself into that field. I think of it as a completely different thing. But I don't know. I don't know if that's always the case because you were talking about like UFC or skateboarding. Like, I don't know that you ever went on like a half pipe or something. But no, if you ever fought, no. you know, but you can somehow that's maybe more interesting just visually. Yeah, I think. Yeah. for I don't know. UFC was interesting probably because I did like a little bit of Taekwondo when I was younger. And so that was kind of, you know, UFC is kind of the culmination of a lot of different uh, styles of fighting. It's kind of like, I know it has the word ultimate in it, but it, it is kind of like an ultimate fight. It's like that <laughs> versus boxing. But yeah. <laughs> And football, like I played football on my high school team my senior year oh really I didn't know. oh really wow. yeah it was kind oh, yeah. of a it was kind of a down year for our school i guess because the the graduating class like 
a lot of the top football players that just graduated. So it was like, I had never even, I, I don't think I'd barely even touched the football before I played that year. I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't understand the game at all. And up until that point, I kind of been the, the basketball kid who made fun of the, the football players or wasn't mm-hmm. into it at all. And I'd actually gotten out of basketball by then too. So I was not really even playing sports, but for whatever reason, I think it, there was a reason. Like I had started to hang out with the football players at that point, And I was kind of friends with them at that point. And they encouraged me to try out or just to play because basically if you made it through tryouts, you got a spot on the team and you could just, Hang out, hang out, practice. With, yeah, yeah, hang yeah. out, hang out with your friends, school, essentially. Sure. Yeah, but I ended up being athletic enough where I could. Right. They put me into a position where I didn't really need to understand much. I was playing cornerback, corner, not quarter. Mm. So it's defense, and basically you just—it's kind of like basketball. You just guard a right a, a, a player and right and try to keep them from catching the ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was athletic enough where I could jump high and fast enough where I could keep up with most people, at least in our, our level. Like we were at a, we weren't at, we were a small school. So we were at a lower level. Mm-hmm. Division and, five. <laughs> that was like one, one A or two A or one. I think five A was the highest and we were like one or two. Oh, I thought the lower division. Yeah. I don't know anything about football. I guess. <laughs> I think it's by school, like how big your school is. So we were a super small private school. So we were like 1A or 2A. Anyway, I started the entire season. And mm. like our team actually ended up being decent. We made mm. it to the playoffs. We lost the first playoff game. But anyway, it was... Kind of exciting though. Huh. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And yeah. it was the most fun I'd ever had playing organized sports. Really? The camaraderie with everybody there it was lifelong bonds and stuff you know like a lot of fun and Mm. there was definitely that extreme aspect of it i remember the first game and you know you know the kickoff i was on that special teams too where you kick off and then you run and then you try to tackle the person Mm. i still remember that feeling like it was yesterday holy shit this is crazy somebody could just knock me out right now as I was running down, it's like this is like super dangerous. <laughs> and yeah, I just remember tackling people, what a rush that was. Cause like when you come into contact with somebody full speed, it's like mm-hmm. super intense. And you know, even during practice, we had one player on our team who ended up playing for Notre Dame. He was a stud. And I remember one time I had to go like one-on-one against him and try to tackle him at Mm. full speed. I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever done in my life. I don't know. I just have a lot of fond memories about it. Yeah, you definitely went the other way compared to me. (laughs) But, But now at this point in my life, I'm on the other end where I've kind of stopped caring about it for... I don't know if it's the same reasons as you like when I hear you talk about it, it kind of sounds like you wanted to be, um, what's the word? Like you, 
you wanted to be different than the people around you, kind of like rebellious, like you observed that all the people around are lots of people around you cared very passionately about this one thing and you found that off-putting. Yeah. I think that was me where I was like, oh, everybody's super into this. I don't know. I can't even say that though, because I still played the football video games and I still um, mm-hmm. watched it on TV and stuff. So I don't know. Can we all say that the football video games were better than the basketball video games? <laughs> for, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> NFL Blitz forever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like super unrealistic. Like you get to like TKO people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think. I mean, I think you're definitely right uh, in a in a way, because, like, for example, when I was in middle school, we didn't even have football. I was at a at like a Christian middle school, and they didn't have football. They had soccer. That was the big one, right. and they had like um, what's the one where you like have a? Sound <laughs> like such an idiot. Like the net. Like there's a lacrosse lacrosse yeah 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 i only know that because i've been watching it lately (laughs) slinging them and yeah so we i don't know i mean we had basketball and stuff i don't know why we just didn't have football maybe they didn't they didn't believe in like slamming you know slamming each other like that i guess (laughs) the liability (laughs) (laughs) but like in high school like people asked me like, oh, hey, like, you should do football. Like, the swim team coach was like, yeah, hey, you should you should swim. And I don't know, I just, I guess I didn't want to be, like, pushed into, like, felt like I needed to be, like, pushed into something. Plus, I think I was working at that time, part-time, after school. So I guess I was just more into, like, doing that and and just making a little money and that was kind of like my after school <laughs> excitement for most of high school but yeah sports i don't mean to like sports is, so much <laughs> no, it's, it's just a really weird thing because you know like i look back on those those memories and it's a lot of fun but at the same time maybe my time ta- my time probably would have been I don't know. It's it's hard to say because, you know, those memories are so so awesome. But maybe my my time would have been used more effectively if I look back and think how could I have optimized my childhood years for <laughs> maximal productivity? <laughs> because in a way, you know, it just like became a big distraction or it was a distraction and it ended up caused me to hang around people who were into football and then by being around people who were into football i ended up watching a lot of football and caring more about football and you know there's so much time spent on something that doesn't really give back to you when you're older yeah it's like the person that like tries to get into the nba or you know it's like so hard to like make that a career on a extremely high level but i i think it was fine in your case i mean you have really good memories from it it took up you know some of your high school but 
it's not like something that you know took over your whole like adulthood so yeah it's some cool. it's weird because cool there's certain things that you do that are like the vehicle to get from point a to point b and then there are some things that are just point b you know what i mean like and it's hard to say like what is what is what because sometimes it's like i mean you know having funs with fun with your friends and you know maybe there were some decisions that came in that ultimately didn't point you in the right direction or maybe where you would want to go but yeah like having those memories and things like that some of those memories could be like the best memories of your life and they didn't get you anywhere but it's because they were the already the they were already the destination i don't know if that, that sounds really cheesy but you know what i mean like they, they were the thing itself as opposed to the thing that you were trying to get to mm-hmm. i guess in more practical ways i think sports and intense sports like football or something like that playing it does make you tougher yeah and i think being around all those like all that masculine energy that was probably good for me at the time because Mm -hmm. before that i'll just call myself soft you know and i Mm -hmm. I still think maybe after football i probably was still soft but i think it's good to things that make you tougher yeah. whatever sure. it is yeah whether it's a physical thing or just yeah going through an experience that's difficult yeah it's it, it is weird because i i am actually um my opinion on sports is i actually i actually do like watching football i don't like talking about football I feel like a lot of times people will get into conversations about stuff and I'm, I guess I don't know the information. So that's part of the problem. So then I feel like the outsider, I don't know. So I can't really talk intelligently. So that makes me feel like I can't contribute. So I don't, I don't really like talking about sports as much as I like playing them. And I would definitely encourage people to play sports, even if it's just to try it out and you don't, you know, you don't know, but I'm definitely one of the people that's like, you should try a sport at some point in your life because yeah, you do, you learn certain things of like just being the kid who isn't good mm-hmm. is a whole skill. That's like, would be helpful for almost everybody, <laughs> you know, being the kid who is good oh, yeah. and who has a little bit of respect now because they've done something good. And like, somebody's like, Hey, nice job, man. You know, or working to that goal, you know, all those things I think are really helpful. Obviously yeah. it can go overboard, but um <clears throat> So I'm kind of like player. <laughs> not as much on the spectator side uh, or, or the talking side, but because like, you know, I'll watch the Super Bowl, I'll watch a game and I, I actually really enjoy it. I don't always know the trade off. Like there's things that I like more than it. So that's why I don't actually end up watching football or sports in general, because I would rather do other things like go out and play frisbee or go out and go for a hike. Those things are funner to me, but the experience of actually watching it or or participating and i i do enjoy yeah it's funny you said that i'd much rather participate than watch 100 percent. i was actually going to ask you that so i'm kind of glad you answered it even though i failed to ask the question but like if there were a bunch <laughs> of guys who were together and we were like hey let's play some you know flag football or whatever football i don't know sometimes it is intimidating because yeah. you're like eh, i don't know how to play and it's awkward to be like God, i'm the person that doesn't know how to play it looks like everybody knows how to but I feel like with the right group, it's fun. Right. Yeah, for sure. So maybe you, you kind of explained why you hate it or why you say you hate it. 
we're, we're trying to get him off the hate train here, Bryce. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I'm not saying you're not doing that. I'm just saying that I feel like, yeah. Why do you hate it, David? Yeah. <laughs> do you hate? Do you hate it because? I would just say I don't. Do you hate it, it because of um, you know? like the culture, more more of the cultural stuff? Mm, for the cultural, no. I mean, it's. I, it's really like a strong word to hate something. I don't wake up and I'm like, I <laughs> hate Tom Brady or whatever. Like, I <laughs> I don't like, you know, it's more or less that I'm, that I just don't love it, you know, and just being around everybody that is obsessed with it and talks about it. I mean, you know, for all the, all the reasons I talked about before. <laughs> Yeah. Were you asking something like specifically more, like more specific or you're not, not sure why I, you know, I guess hate it. Yeah. It's a weird one because yeah, like I said, I'm at a point in my life where I actively avoid it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, because I don't want it to be a distraction and I've come, I've gotten to the point where it, I don't find it that interesting anymore. Like it would be hard for me to sit down and watch a football game just because mm. I, I find it really long and tedious now. And like I, I, I just wouldn't be that entertained. Let's say if I sat down and tried to watch an entire football game when before in my life, <laughs> my entire Saturday would just be built around football. Yeah. 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 My mm. entire weekend, like college football on Saturday and then pro football on, yeah. on Sunday. Just be like, that was my entire weekend, you know, just hanging out with friends, watching football from the afternoon until till night, you know, yeah. partying and watching football. <laughs> I can, yeah, I can see it not being a thing like in a hundred years because, you know, the whole like concussion situation, <laughs> you know. <laughs> not that the question was, why does Marshall hate football? But that what you just said, Bryce, that describes why I, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd say I hate football, but I don't like because of that. Like, I, I don't like the idea of like structuring a whole weekend around football. Instead, I structured around other stupid stuff that people are like, wait, what you, you know, this week I played chess a lot. Like, so what you spent your whole week around chess? Like, that's even dumber than, you know, yeah, you know, so know. everybody picks their own things. Right. But but yeah, it's the it's the obsessive part where that that worries me i guess hmm. that's that's what i was asking david it's like do you hate it because of that culture behind it where you're not really playing it but it's more like just your lifestyle being a fan of football yeah pretty much yeah. everything you know what's funny I think we all too. grew out of it a bit too yeah like what if somebody was like that obsessive about something else I would be okay with that somehow. You know what I mean? Like, let's say they were into woodworking mm. and they sort of like structured their whole weekend around woodworking. I'd be like, that's super cool, man. Like, or, you know, like, uh, I don't know, fishing or even though I don't, I don't woodwork or fish or whatever, but if it was something different for some reason, sports somehow is, is like that for me. When, if somebody was like reading, let's say like, I wouldn't be like, I don't know, maybe I would a little bit, but you know what I mean? Like in general, if somebody had like a, something that they were really into 
they were into remote control cars and every weekend they went out and like ran these remote control cars around the rocks and stuff like that. I'd be like, that's cool. Like they got a cool, I don't know. I think that maybe comes back to like David, you were saying about, or what Bryce was saying about David being like quirky or wanting something that's just a little different instead of yes, it's the same as everybody else. Okay. I just, one more thing. I want to, I want to give an example. (laughs) I want to tell you about my friend. His name is Tim. Shout out to Tim. If you're listening, Tebow, (laughs) not Tim Tebow, (laughs) but Tim Tebow was definitely a thing when I was in college. And I met Tim when I was in high school and he was the most obsessive like football fan. He, it got really like extreme probably when we got into college. He, he just was obsessed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I've never met anyone who, mm. you know, we lived in Florida. Jacksonville Jaguars were the closest team to us. And he was, I've never met anyone who cared more about, about a sports team than this guy. You know, he just knew everything about it. He had the season tickets. He went to all the games, et cetera, et cetera. And when I was around him during that time, I just thought, what a waste of time. Like, this is, you know, you're too obsessed with this. And you know, he wasn't an athletic guy. He didn't play football. He was a bigger guy. Not that, you know, bigger guys play football. He wasn't a football player. Mm. So it was kind of weird why he was so obsessed with it, but he was just the biggest, biggest fan of this this team. And then I kind of lose touch with him and don't really keep up with what he's doing. But then a few years later, I find out that he's like working with the team. Like that's his career now and he's mm-hmm. working in sports. He's working in sports journalism. And, you know, to me, he's like living his dream. He's one of the, the only <laughs> people I know who like, they're really living their passion. Like they're, that was his obsession and that was his dream and it was sports, you know? So it could, like, to me, he's like, he proves the, it doesn't really matter what it is, but if you love it, like you can, I guess you can find a way to do something with it, no matter what it is. Mm. Nice. Oh, wait, it's just, it, it's just crazy to me that <laughs> when I see somebody who's like found a way to make it work, you know, I knew a guy, Potential future guest. <laughs> <laughs> I knew a guy who had similar story. I don't know that I didn't know him. He was older, so I didn't know him as a kid, I guess, but same thing. He, he was super into sports and then ended up being a sports journalist. And, you know, I don't know if he'd say he's living his dream, but he, it was what he wanted to be get into. And I'm sure he would have said playing. Maybe it was, was more what he wanted to do, but maybe as a backup option. That's not bad. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. All right. Let's, let's do the weirdest segue of all time. And Go from <laughs> hating football to dreaming and not dreaming in the <laughs> goals and ambitions and dreaming of being an NFL football player, but just the, the dreams you have at night. REM sleep. <laughs> REM sleep dreams. So 
<clears throat> have you guys heard of uh, Zhuangzi and Zhuangzi's dream? <laughs> no, I haven't. Is that a person? Is that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's an ancient okay. Chinese philosopher. Uh, what is it again? How do you say it? Zhuangzi. Hmm, okay. Uh, Z-H-U-A-N-G-Z-I. Zhuangzi. That's, hmm. the, that's the Chinese pronunciation. I'm not sure what the English pronunciation is. Um, but he's, he's one of the most famous ancient Chinese philosophers. I'm, I'm not a Chinese philosopher, philosophy expert, but I'm familiar with him a little bit. And mostly for this famous story that's that comes from him it's like called the butterfly dream mm. you've probably heard of it but it's basically the dream where this he the Zhuangzi, the chinese philosopher he falls asleep and has a dream of being a butterfly and as he's dreaming that he's a butterfly he's no longer conscious of being Zhuangzi, the the philosopher he's just hundred percent a butterfly and then he suddenly awakes from the dream and he's Zhuangzi again and he has this thought like am I a butterfly dreaming that I'm Zhuangzi or am I Zhuangzi dreaming that I was a butterfly so the dream was so real that it was hard to differentiate between what was like baseline reality or if there even is a baseline reality. Hmm. And I'm just kind of curious about your all's dreams and how they work. And I kind of wanted to tell you about a dream I had this week because it was, you know, it was one of those dreams that it was so real that there was no difference between that reality and this reality because I was totally into it and <laughs> I, I'll, I'll save you the the whole plot line of the, the dream but basically it ended with me about to be killed and tortured and at that moment uh -huh. when I was about to be tortured my consciousness was like this is a little too intense and then I just snapped back into Bryce reality and I, I think that most of my dreams, not most of my dreams, but, you know, like I have a lot of those really intense dreams and then the dreams when I'm about to die or like experience a lot of pain, I become awake and conscious and snap out of it and wake up. So I kind of just want to talk about the implications of that and what I think that means from my own personal experiences. And I kind of want to know, do you all have those same types of dreams and same types of experiences? Hmm. Does any of that make sense? Cause yeah. All right. Yeah. It's very interesting. I think it's a very interesting topic. I personally don't, I mean, supposedly we dream all the time, right? But I don't remember them. I remember some like when I was younger, some that like stuck out in my head, but yeah, these days, I mean, maybe even since college, I don't really have a dream that I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. Like I usually wake up and I'm like, oh, I probably had a dream. I just don't remember it. You, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. That's my thing. <laughs> but these days you don't have vivid dreams where you find your like conscious in the dream or your consciousness appearing in the dream where it's making decisions, I guess, decisions, if that's the right word. You're talking about like, like lucid dreaming where you realize that you're in the dream or just where you, after you wake up, you realize that you were conscious in the dream. So the dream this week, it was like the butterfly. It was like, I, I wasn't Bryce. I was a character in the right. dream. Right. And then when it got super intense, some type of my consciousness came into play and was like, this is way too intense. It's time to like get out of this. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And then Pretty when much the, any dream like when the out. consciousness like came alive, it wasn't Bryce, it wasn't the character in the dream, it was just kind of separate. And it was like, hmm. this is too intense. Like I don't want to experience what is about to be experienced. If I don't, if I stay in this dream. I'm going to experience something that I don't want to experience. Can't relate. <laughs> no, I can. Every, every we... time. Yeah. If there's a bad dream, I, I feel like I've always been able to just like wake myself up. Mm. If I'm like drowning or falling, you know, all the typical dreams mm. that people have flying mm. and then like something bad's about to happen. And you either like, like snap your finger or you like grip your hand or something, you know, there's some, I've always like been able to control when I wake up. Yeah. I think everybody can probably do that. Yeah, like have you ever died in a dream where you like fall off the building and then you actually hit and you're dead right. instead of just waking never, up immediately? It's never happened no. for me. It mm -hmm. happened to me once actually. So you experienced death. I mean, I so experienced what my dream your... thought it was death. <laughs> <laughs> were you like viewing your body third person or? No, it was just like, where you like woke up in heaven, and or? maybe I actually didn't die. Maybe I don't know. I, I I think I was like falling off a building, and I think I just hit the ground, and huh. then it was just like a blackout. But I was conscious that I was a black. So like, imagine like in a theater, a movie theater, mm -hmm. and the screen just turns off, and the lights turn off, and the sound turns off. So I was aware that there was nothing, but there wasn't. Does that make sense? Yeah. So maybe you I didn't were, die. Maybe all my faculties just went dream? away. <laughs> yeah, I was still in the dream for for a bit. And, I mean, it but probably you knew that long. you were in a dream, or were you like, "I'm really dead"? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Because I don't trippy. think I I don't know that I if I knew if I was in a dream. I don't think I was like lucid enough to know that I was in a dream at that point. Hmm. And then at some point I woke up and like I didn't come back to life or anything. Like I I was actually I just remember it being weird because it was one of the ones that I remember because. All the other times, yeah, you're you're drowning, you're falling, you're whatever, and you don't, or for me at least, I don't actually get to that point of being tortured or being <laughs> dying or shot right. or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> the monster eating my head. <laughs> yeah, you, you never experienced the the finality of it. Yeah. At least I never do. But that's interesting that you you kind of experienced like you went ahead and let it happen. Yeah. Yeah. stopping it yeah i remember being amazed that uh, that happened i was like how did mm. that happen you know <laughs> do we need to talk about some things tomorrow? i don't know that's a little weird <laughs> i mean that's what we're talking about here <laughs> <laughs> 
I know I'm like, but anyway, I'm moving around and stuff to wake myself up. I'm like, ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's natural. So I, thought. I, I want to tell you another story that kind of of something that I listened to this week. Okay, it was from um, a Dr. K interview. He was interviewing a streamer, gamer person. Which one? and the the skit, I, I forget his name. Um, that's okay. Anyway, we can we can link, link it in the show description. He um, he was curious about death and what Dr. K thought about death. And Dr. K told him this story of how when he was doing his residency at a at a hospital in Massachusetts, he was working with a patient, and the patient had been in a coma for a couple weeks after having a I think a a car accident being in a car accident and after during during the recovery he was experiencing like uh he was showing signs of being depressed he was the nurses noticed that he was crying whenever they like left the room he was he would just start crying Mm -hmm. and they couldn't figure out why he was crying because everything in his life was was fine you know, he, he hadn't lost his job. His family was very supportive. Um, everything checked out for like being happy or not being depressed. So Dr. K asked him questions like over and over again to try to get to the root of why he was depressed, why he was crying and he couldn't figure it out. So eventually Dr. K just asked him directly, why are you crying? Like everybody wants to know and we're trying to figure it out. And the guy said, you're going to think I'm crazy, but during the time I was in my coma, when I was in a coma, I lived a full life. I lived an entire life where I had a family and I had two daughters Mm. and I have all these memories of being with my family in that life. Wow. It's trippy. And now I miss them. <laughs> like I missed my family. Like it was like he had died in that life and and come back into this reality where he was without his family. That's crazy. Hmm. That's pretty wild. It's like a DMT <laughs> or some kind of weird hallucinogenic yeah. experience. But it, it just like the whole thing, all these these experiences that I've had, like the experiences in those dreams, it's like when it's so real, isn't that, doesn't that make that reality just as real as this one? Yeah. Is there any difference between them? Like who's to say yeah, that this does. reality is the baseline reality and all the other realities that we experience aren't, right. aren't real. And it also makes me, it gives me this huge sense of control. I don't know if it's, and this is just from my own experiences, like experiences in those dreams and kind of experiences that I've had in this reality where I feel like I, I have this control where it's never going to get too intense because if it gets super, super intense and far out, I can always just stop it. I feel like I have that same power in this reality as I do in the dream reality. Like if something got way too intense in this reality, I could just kind of pull the plug if I wanted to. Right. 
I mean, we can't make it through this topic without talking about Inception, without me bringing up Inception. <laughs> right, right. right? That's, like what the, the, that's what the interviewer said. He was like, this sounds like some Inception shit. Right. But that's why that movie is such a cool movie is because, or I like the movie, like that part where the one woman, his wife is like killing herself because she doesn't know which one's the real reality. Like, of course, it's a Hollywood movie, so there's different levels to it and whatever. But like it does, it's it's not that far from an extra- extrapolation of what we experience all the time mm-hmm. where you're like different levels and you're like, well, if we just, you know, end it here somehow because we're falling off a cliff and we're about to hit the ground and we don't want to feel that, will we, you know, pop up somewhere else? And like, how does that work? And, you know, that's why you end up with all the heaven and hell and afterlife and all that, because all that stuff's like that that's real. Like there's, there's different, you know, if you're in your dream and you're in your like, yeah. Anyway, it's a whole like consciousness. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know how far I, how far we can get into all this. Yeah. But hours short version hours. is I am I'm like a hundred percent in on subjective reality mm-hmm. is the better way to understand reality. Right. Just the yeah, I don't I feel like maybe my ideas are are you guys more on the eastern side? philosophy of things or the western side where i guess the western way of thinking is that we live in a material universe and that we form from the material and then mm-hmm. you know like our consciousness comes from matter and when our physical body dies the consciousness dies with it unless you religious and you believe that you have a soul and then the soul transcends the body or you lean more towards the eastern philosophy where it's like consciousness first and then energy and then matter and then when matter and energy change or die in the physical body dies or whatever then the consciousness just goes somewhere else (laughs) So it's it's consciousness as the baseline and not matter on the eastern side of things. And then, sorry, I'm doing a terrible job explaining this, but um, yeah, then eastern. You get what I'm trying to explain? Like consciousness first or material first? Because I think in this world, in this reality that we're living in right now, the scientists are would have you believe that it's all material and that everything comes from from that whereas the other side would say consciousness first you get you, you get where i'm going yeah i yeah I, i'm definitely on the subjective side more than the objective so i don't th- i don't think there's stuff out there hmm. i mean i think so there there is but it's it's formed by Consciousness. Conscious. Consciousness. Yeah. Whether it's mine or yours or somebody else's or like that's where it starts getting iffy. Like, I don't know that I believe that there's one consciousness that we're all one consciousness. Mm-hmm. But somehow we, yeah, I'm not sure how the, all that works, but somehow we interact with each other or the consciousnesses, consciousnesses, consciousnesses interact with each <laughs> other and create what we understand as the physical reality. Consciousness. Short version, if the tree falls over in the middle of the woods and nobody hears oh, it, yeah. 
<laughs> didn't fall over in the middle of the woods. And do you to, to me? Do well, you, like, doesn't make a sound, right? <laughs> doesn't make a sound. It didn't fall over. It, there was no tree there. Like to me, <laughs> there is no spoon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> do you think you can like click the in-game button at any time? Hmm. The end game button and then what do you mean killing yourself? <laughs> kind of I, I don't I just think like control like your reality yourself. Yeah. yeah. Right. Hmm. I'll tell you about this other experience I had. Um I I ate an edible once and was pretty high. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there <laughs> just kind of like being in my thoughts. And this, it, I don't, it, it, I don't even know if it was a thought. I guess it was a thought, but it was just this feeling that if I wanted to, I could die right there and go somewhere else. <laughs> and it wasn't like a, it was this really peaceful feeling. Like if I wanted to, I could just die and go to a different place very easily. Like, I could just make that choice right then. Maybe it was just because I was really high, but it felt like a real thing <laughs> that mm-hmm. if I wanted to, I could just go somewhere else and leave all this behind. And then the thought came that I wanted to stay here, but it would have been just as easy to choose the other one. So it's, yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, we, <laughs> we just, talked about suicide we were like, like yeah it just <laughs> it's a whole other like... conversation but it seems like i want i wonder how many people who get to that point of suicide um go through a process like that like is it just i'm going to i'm going to end this or is it i'm going to end it and get to somewhere else you know right that's the thing it didn't feel suicidal it just felt right like right it, i was gonna Go to a different video game or something. Exactly. Like exactly. I would switch up mm-hmm. the video game. And, you know, when, when you, or change the TV show and leave that other TV show behind. Yep. And switching the TV show, it, it's not good or bad. It's just like you change the TV show. And it makes me, it made me feel that death isn't real in the way that people mm-hmm. fear it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more like just changing the TV show or right. switching the video game. Yeah, because we only see one side of it. <laughs> so it's like you see somebody's head that was like hacked off or something. And it's a very visual, like visceral kind of image. Nobody knows what's on the other side. <laughs> hmm. Have you guys, besides dreams, or maybe including dreams, like have you had those? those intense experiences of living in other realities or being in other realities? No, I, I've never taken hard enough <laughs> drugs or, or even just dreamed it. Uh, yeah. yeah, most of my dreams are based in this world. I mean, I can fly <laughs> and stuff, you know, but it's not like I was on Mars or even another universe or something yeah for me with dreams i've never had one i've had them where when i was in them they were really interesting or i wanted to be there really fun pleasurable and then i come out and i and i still want to be in the dream 
but I've never had the butterfly. I was going to say problem, but <laughs> problem is not the right word, but the butterfly situation, the butterfly dream situation where I've gotten back to this one and thought that it was not more real somehow or, or mm. maybe real isn't the right word, but just tangible. Like I, I always realized that the other one, I didn't come to this. I didn't come to this one and I would go back to the other. It was more like the other that, that said, though, I, I have had dreams where I could recreate the dream and go back to the same world. Yeah, me too. So mm. that's kind of a cool thing. I Anyway, that's a whole like lucid dreaming. <laughs> like you wake up and then deal. you go back to it. Yeah, like I, I, you know, I'm in a world and I like the world. Maybe it's not because I'm flying or whatever, but maybe it's just. I, I don't even know a good example of something, but, you know, you're in a dream that you really enjoy. And then. I've had it where I've gone back to sleep that that night and then can get back to it or even I haven't had it much more than like a day or a night later, but I have done it consecutive nights where I'll sleep and then want to go back and be able to go back yeah dude i had the same thing when i was a kid <laughs> i had these reoccurring dreams but it wasn't the same dream over and over again it was just revisiting the same place yeah like <laughs> remember you would take a roller coaster <laughs> you would go up a roller coaster and then it would take you into this new world and it was just like mm. this new world where you could have adventures yeah so every time us. I just went up the roller coaster, I would go on a, a new adventure. But in that in that same like place. Yeah, same with the, with the same people and stuff. Yeah. So I maybe this is an experiment I need to do because I've been interested in it. And I've kind of messed with it. I just haven't formalized it, I guess. <laughs> but like apple juice makes me dream. I think this is like a known thing that if you dream if you dream. If you drink apple juice, it will make you dream better. Hmm. And never heard that. You should try it. And apple juice is not a sponsor of this podcast. <laughs> so not like eating an apple or two, but like you have to have apple juice. Apple juice. Yeah, I actually have tried eating apples too, and maybe it that's why kids dream well. more. <laughs> didn't work as well. I don't know what it is. I haven't dug into the science or anything. Of you know, is there some sort of you know, weird chemical that mixes with all the sugar or whatever it is. But yeah, drink drink a couple, a, you know, a glass or two of apple juice right before bed. And uh, maybe maybe don't drink some first and like see if you dream and remember it and then drink some with it and see if it, you know, if it works better. Anyway, um, I don't know where, <laughs> where I was going with that now. But other than that, it I can do that now too. Like I can drink apple juice and it will help me dream better and I can go back to places. All right, tonight I'm gonna chug like a gallon of apple juice. At some yeah. point, you might Maybe have to go to the bathroom, and then it might not help be helpful. Like some of the bathroom probably is healthy. It like keeps your brain active because you're like having to go to the bathroom, but too much, and you're just gonna wake up. <laughs> Instead of eight glasses of water, I'm gonna drink eight glasses of apple juice. <laughs> have a massive dream. Uh -huh. That's so funny. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> I think my wife might have been the one to tell me about. I don't know. Maybe I. Maybe that's not true. I just know people. I don't make fun of me. Oh, blame it on your wife. <laughs> people have told me this stuff, or people like now I do it. I've I've told people about it, and they're like, "Marshall, you're weird." <laughs> I mean, I like to dream. It's cool. 
do you like work for Welch's or something? <laughs> like, what's the the company? <laughs> Welch's. I'm sure it's, it's just Aldi brand. <laughs> Whatever Aldi, <laughs> Aldi apple juice. Hundred percent apple juice. What's okay? Let me let me say something else about apple juice that's just off the wall, unrelated. <laughs> I used to be allergic to apples, and I won't talk about that more. That's it. Fair enough. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a weird one. <laughs> I th- I think that's it. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of topics that we cover in that, you know, under the heading of dreaming, you know, there's sleep and dreams and all sorts of stuff. All right. Um, let's see. I wanted to talk about really a question and just wanted you guys' opinion so I don't talk the whole time. And the question was, what do you wish that your dad taught you as a kid? or maybe a better or just a different way to look at it too is what what are things that your dad or your parents in general i guess taught you that you really appreciate and while you're thinking about that i'll tell a little bit of the motivation behind it like maybe some of last week's topic and everything spun into this as well but probably two years ago i was thinking about this and it really just comes down to parenting like at some point you hear people say Oh, their parents never taught them to tie their shoes. What kind of parents never teach them to balance a checkbook? You know, so I've like thought about that question. Like, okay, hmm. there's certain things that people just say that are just stupid that it doesn't matter if your parents never showed you how to do such and such. It's just a cultural thing that we want people to know. But then it does seem like there are certain things that I would want my kids to know. And that not just I'd want my kids to know, but also that I would want to be the one to teach them it. Like, I want to be the one to teach my kids how to, I don't know, throw a baseball or something, you know, as opposed to somebody else. Like, I want them to have the memory of it being me that showed them how to drive a car or things like that. So I was, I guess I've just been thinking about that question in regards to parenting. And then it, well, then it came back to the question of, well, what were the things my dad showed me? Or what are the things I wish my dad showed me? So yeah, just wanted to see if anything came to mind for you guys. I'm getting, collecting a list. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did, did you, you didn't say what you wished your dad, how, would, would sh- like you wish he had shown you when you were younger? Yeah, I don't know if I have, I, um, I mean, I guess I can, I can start with some things. I don't know. Like even it was funny, we were talking about sports and things like that. Like there's that list. I forget who, what the list is, but it's some, it's a famous list that you've probably seen. Like every man should be able to, and then there's like 50 (laughs) things, you know, it's like tie a tie, tie a tie, start a fire, read a newspaper and all these things, you know, and you kind of read through it. And some of them you're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then other ones you're like, is that really important? You know, so it's like, mm. I guess I'm I, I'm in this weird thing because I don't know, <clears throat> um, like, which things are important or how do you how do you measure them on importance? And then you go back to, well, the things that my dad showed me maybe are important for me, but maybe not as important or might not be the same importance for my kids. Maybe it was just like how he showed me that's that one thing. Um 
It's kind of hard to think about because I just remember things that he did show me and like I was happy that he did show me. So I must have to like reverse engineer. <laughs> we'll start with those. What are the things that he did show you that you like stick out that whether you liked that he showed you or not, or just things that he did show you, like what comes to mind for you? Yeah. Just like fixing random things like oil change or um, like driving stick, stick shift. Um I mean, I don't know if it was my dad or my mom that like taught me how to to like actually throw, you know, a f- football or baseball or whatever. But I remember, you know, throwing a ball or or kicking a ball mm-hmm. with my dad. Um, this is kind of weird, but I remember I was born left-handed, and. I'm pretty sure it was my mom. She like forced me to learn. Hmm. I don't know if I told you guys that already, but it was kind of just like an interesting random thought that popped into my head. She like forced me to learn right for right hand for writing for throwing for for everything. (laughs) So are you right handed now? Would you say you're right handed? Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, she ruined my lefty. (laughs) But what do I wish my dad taught me? I mean, we would always play like uh, chess or not always, but more more so even. Um, do you guys ever play backgammon? I love backgammon. Yeah. My mom played backgammon as a, I guess, a high schooler. Yeah. It's a fun one. <laughs> it's that random one on the other side of the chess or checkers board that nobody knows how to play. And you're always asking people yeah. like, <laughs> that's, like a, that's a good you. example of something that is like, almost inconsequential but is important to me like i want to teach my kid and they might not care about backgammon but like that's one of those ones that would be on the long list of things like i want to have that memory of teaching my kids how to play backgammon and if they don't like it that's fine so it's like little things like that somehow that it's almost like we talked about being selfish versus being whatever others centered or not selfish philanthropic i don't know the uh, where it's almost like I want to teach them how to play backgammon more for me than for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I do, I do want it for them, but you know what I mean. It's like a like mm-hmm. I want to have the memory of showing my kids how to play backgammon or chess or yeah. You talk about like other sports, like throwing a ball or or another language. I think that would have been important. I mm-hmm. wish my dad or mom either would have taught me another language when I was younger. Mm-hmm. You know what they say. When you're like under double digits, it's like way easier to learn a language, right? Is that is that false? I think that was I think a myth less... that was disproven by the learn any language in three months guy, Benny. But either way, it would I mean, I feel like we could all agree that even just introducing us to like a, a second language when we were younger. Yeah, so let me inject my opinion there, because I think it's a Go for it. A good jumping off point. Um, my mom, our our most loyal listener, shout out to mom. <laughs> she out. Uh, she brought something to listening. my yes. She brought something to my attention. She gives me feedback after the episodes, hmm. and 
I think it was your topic, Marshall, where you were talking about, um, shoot, I forgot the topic now, but it was the one where we, we ended up talking, oh uh, no, David, it was yours. When you talked about what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm. And then I got mm. off on the tangent about, oh, I wish my parents would have taught me a hard skill and um, yeah, 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 all that and how college is kind of worthless if you don't go in with a plan and all that and how somebody should have stopped us before choosing stupid majors and, and whatnot. <laughs> and my mom brought it, brought it to my attention. She was like, we did try to stop you all. <laughs> like, she's like, I can't tell you how many times I told your sister not to pick drama as her major in college, but she insisted on drama. Mm. So it, it That's made a great me, point. That's it hilarious. Made me realize yeah. like they did try <laughs> and maybe I'm just not giving, <laughs> or maybe we're not giving them enough credit. And, you know, I can say I was extremely stubborn as a, oh, yeah. as a kid and a teenager and probably all through my twenties and even up till now, like just extremely stubborn and um, insisting on, my way and that I knew everything and that I was mm -hmm. right and their opinions were outdated and old and I don't need to listen to them. That's, that must be tough as a parent, you know, to try to tell your kids something over and over again, or try to give them advice or try to lead them in a direction. And the kid is just hard headed <laughs> and yeah. I don't know what I would do as a parent in that situation. Like, do you just keep on keeping on, like um, insist on the kid following your way or do you just let them, let them do what they want to do? I don't know. <laughs> you know let them make it, mistakes. Yeah. But then later on, 10 years later or 15 years later, when the kid's all fucked up, then they blame the parents. Well, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. they should have taught me a hard skill, and I would have. They, sh they should have uh, warned me about getting right. into college and or going into college and being a liberal arts major. They should have told me that. You know, it's, it's kind of on you at that point, right? I mean, I'm sure there are some parents who are neglectful, and but I think the majority of parents probably want to do the best for their kids, and. Mm -hmm. usually the kids just don't want to hear it um with that said <laughs> so like learning a language and learning a musical instrument those were things that were introduced to me as a kid and i just quit basically or insisted mm -hmm. on not doing them mm -hmm. you know i had the chance to learn the guitar i had the chance to learn the piano and now as a 33 year old, it's like, oh, I wish I knew how to play a musical instrument. Oh, well, my parents did give me that opportunity. And I just mm -hmm. like, mm. that's on, that's kind of on me, right? You know, they gave me the opportunity. They probably encouraged me. And then when I just insisted on playing basketball all the time, they're just like, oh, whatever. Mm. <laughs> and screw you, son. <laughs> and the same thing, learning a language. Like I had, the chance to learn Spanish. My mom got me a Spanish tutor. You know, it was mm. available. It was available. 
and I probably mm -hmm. just didn't like express a, a lot of interest in it. So I don't know where you draw the line as a parent, like forcing the issue. It's hard to say. Anyway, to answer your original question, Marshall, I think I wish both of my parents had been more uh, open about topics regarding sex and pornography and 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 stuff like that. I wish we could have had more open dialogues about that. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of it got buried into the religious upbringing. So it must have been really hard for them because, you know, there's a lot of pressure on them as good Christian parents to raise kids who think that sex is bad or whatever, or not sex is bad, but sex out of marriage is a sin and all that. So they were under pressure. And that's why but the question is inherently an unfair question, but I get where you're going with it. Like you want to learn how to be a better parent. Yeah. That's why I was like, the second question <clears throat> is like, because if, yeah, if it's based upon what do you wish they showed you, then it's like blaming. And I don't mean it as blaming. Right. I mean it more as like what are the things. Become yeah. a better parent from. Exactly. Really. I mean, experiment. Yeah. My, my gauge is going to be 14 mm -hmm. so i don't know it, the world's changing like is he going to move out when he's 18 is he going to move out when he's 20 i don't know what's going to happen you know but 14 there's not a lot of years left in the house let's say so then it becomes okay well with the limited amount of time that you know let's say it's 18 and he goes off to somewhere that's four summers you know that's four winters roughly of time of of being able to pass on whether it's the big things like like you're saying with you know like learning a language or you know something like that or more like topics like you're saying about you know sex and relationships all the way down to you know how to start a campfire or whatever that you know the really <laughs> tactical practical thing um it's like i guess i've thought about this certainly often but as he gets older, especially, and then other kids getting older too, it like the time starts to feel like it runs out. And of course, we'll always have that relationship, and we can always talk about things and learn things. But you know, the the sheer hours of time that we'll have together will drop off a cliff here, not too long, in not too long. You know. Yeah, when you put it in that perspective, it kind of changes things a little bit. So it makes me wonder, like what would I have liked somebody to tell me when I was 14? Yeah. Maybe that's, what, a, maybe that's a good way to put it too. Yeah. Or what would I have liked my parents to talk to me about when I was 14? Yeah. And yeah, all those, all those vices, it's it, not just sex, drinking, drugs, um, yeah. the whole thing. I would have, I think I would have benefited a lot from an open dialogue that was, um, I guess, one of understanding and not just a blanket statement like this is bad, mm -hmm. don't do it, mm -hmm. but more like an understanding like I understand my 14-year-old is going to be curious about sex and mm -hmm. I understand my 14-year-old, like they probably already are, you know, we personally, I started becoming curious when I was 10, 9, 10, 
you know, started looking at porn when I was 10 or 11 and became sexually attracted, you know, like to, to girls when I was 11 or so I'm, I'm saying by 14, you know, they're like deep into it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So if you're not having those open dialogue conversations, then I think you're going to miss out. You're probably going to miss out a little bit because I don't know your son, but I assume it's something every boy <laughs> experiences, you know, whether they're whatever their sexual preferences or, but, you know, going through puberty, that's a crazy time. Yeah. And you have so many questions and there's a lot of influence from your peers, you know, high school, <laughs> Jesus Christ, you know, you want to, and middle school, it's like, you know, I just, I don't remember caring about school that much. I just remember caring about what other people thought about me mm -hmm. and fitting in and dating and, and those types of things. And I had a ton of questions and I had to get the answers from the internet and I had to get the question mm -hmm. or the answers from other peers. And I wasn't really getting any answers regarding those things. Like I never had a conversation with my parents about drugs or drinking. It was just a one, one way conversation. Mm. Like this is bad. Don't do it. So I, I wonder what a more two way conversation would look like. Like, okay, this is kids are going to want you to drink. And this is what happens when you drink this much or, you know, don't, don't, I, I don't, I don't know what he looks like. I'm not a parent, but I think an open conversation about stuff that they're actually going to be experiencing would, would be helpful. Yeah, and it seems like that that skill, you you know, it starts with topics, I think. But once you start going through a bunch of topics, then it sort of extrapolates up to just a way of life of of being open about with your relationships, being honest about things, being direct about things, being vulnerable about things. And that skill is definitely like, you know, if you said, I want a kid who is honest and direct and vulnerable well how do you teach that you know you have to go into like a topic that's going to be scary to talk about you know you can't just be like listen son we're an honest household i mean you can mm. but when when you have the opportunity to tell a lie that will get you out of something and mm. they can see you not tell the lie that gets you out of something and then you have to pay for it because you did something wrong or you know whatever that's where you're teaching your kids to to be honest. Otherwise, they're just you're just telling them stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, it definitely seems like that would be one of the. I'll give you an example. Skills to learn. I thought was pretty cool. This week I became. <laughs> I'm not sure what sparked it, but this week I got kind of interested in what type of porn women are into. Actually, I do I do know what sparked it, but. I'm not sure if I should say it here, <laughs> but um, I ended up on like just Googling and going on Reddit. just like, what kind of porn do women like? And I ended up listening to a podcast where it was some ladies talking about porn and what porn they watched. The one lady, she said she had two high school age sons and she had like, discovered their porn search history on the computer and 
she went, she said she went to them and just sat down with them and kind of had this open conversation. And I, I, I can't remember if she like watched the porn back with them, like what they had watched. And in it, she, it, without being judgmental, she explained like, this isn't reality. And this isn't how women really respond when they're having sex. And this isn't how you have sex with a woman. And women don't actually like it when you treat them like this. Like, this looks cool in the porn video. And it looks like the woman is enjoying it, but she's actually faking it. And she's an actress. And this isn't real life. Some, like A conversation like that. <laughs> I think that's what I'm getting at, where the parent explains something that's more um, complicated mm -hmm. or something that's hard to understand when you're, when you're younger. Yeah. Would you feel more comfortable talking to your mom or your dad about pornography? Both would have had, mm. but again, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, I've never talked to them really about it. So it's hard to say what their opinions are. Hmm. All I can say is I, I think they were doing the best that they could at the time with the resources they had and what they knew and their knowledge. So I don't blame them for anything. <laughs> but now, like with Marshall, if you're asking directly what we think you should be telling your son, those are the things that come to mind. It's not like how to change a tire. <laughs> I'm not a big believer in stuff like that. You know, I just... I, I believe those things that you can handle just by making a phone call or the, the catastrophic events that well, you're, you're probably not that likely to run into all the time. Doesn't seem as important as the stuff you're going to be running into all the time. Right. I mean, yeah. when our parents gave us advice when we were younger, did any of us listen? Probably not, well, right? <laughs> yeah, it depends upon how the advice is like given. You though. should do this. Mm -hmm. Like you if it's just that. a here's how what you should do. I, I don't know, certain things maybe, but yeah. I guess I'm thinking about like I remember having a conversation about we didn't talk about um a couple of things came to mind when you were talking, Bryce, about conversations. One was I, I did have uh I remember specifically one conversation with my mom about it wasn't about pornography, but it was about just sex in general. And I was probably like, I was probably about 14, 13, 14, something like that. And um, really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if, I'm sure she was uncomfortable, but she didn't actually feel like uncomfortable. Like, I, you know, I don't, in my memory, I don't remember her like thinking, oh, wow, she's really uncomfortable with it, you know. Um but the other one I thought of was talking about drinking and like there's there's kind of a history of drinking in my family a bit and um but it was it was like that was a good example of talking about drinking or talking about alcohol I guess in general because it wasn't a you know it wasn't so much of a don't drink it was more like here's some different kinds of alcohol and this is what it kind of is like. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, and it was a bit more open. And so having that as an example in my life is sort of helpful because then it's like, okay, so if I just have that kind of a conversation 
But like you were saying, Bryce, about all the different potential vices that are out there, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, pornography or drugs or even just like, I don't know what this like wealth is what came to mind, but not that, but, you know, like obsessed with just like money or greed, I guess. I don't know what the, but all these different things that you can just get so wrapped up in and end up sort of messing up your life because you're, because <laughs> you don't, because you don't know, you're not responsible with it. You don't know, you didn't have that, maybe those conversations. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. And just sharing your own personal experiences, I think is probably the most yeah powerful way to do it you know if i have a kid or yeah if i have a kid one day that's a great point i'm just gonna tell them you know hopefully this is is like i started (laughs) drinking when i was 16 and these are here are a hundred examples of the stupid things that i did when i was drinking but i also had a lot of fun and made a lot of great friends and had some crazy fun experiences Mm. because of drinking. And I know you're going to be curious about drinkings and I'm not going to act like you're never going to drink. So yeah, here, here's, here's what I know Mm -hmm. about it. And here are how some adults handle drinking, you know, like there's plenty of successful adults who drink and they're fine and they use it uh, uh, responsibly. And then there are other adults who become alcoholics and become lose everything because of it. So that's also an outcome that you should consider if you start drinking. And there, there are college kids who can drink responsibly and have fun with their friends. But then there are also college kids who end up getting DUIs and flunking out of college because they, all they do is drink and party. Yeah. You know, not, not so binary, just explaining different different outcomes yeah just i remember my um somebody i worked with said that like the daughter of one of his friends called him one day like in the middle of the night and was like i need help (laughs) um i i think she got a dui or something like that or yeah she i don't know she she ended up in in jail or i don't know what some some you know legal <laughs> problems <laughs> um and anyway i remember him telling me that and thinking that's such a cool thing to be that person exactly that somebody trusts you enough to go to call you mm-hmm. as the person who's not going to be you know might be disapproving i'm not going to say that i'm going to approve of everything that you did but that's not um i don't know if judgmental is the word but just not like condemning you know right. like but that's helpful. That's like there for you. It's got your back, you know? So yeah, I don't know how you become that person other than just make it known that you are open to those kind of thorny conversations. That that reminds me of like friends, parents who were in my life, who we could talk to about sex. I think you, yeah, you said that you had a, a friend or somebody that was, you know, there were, there were definitely, it was mostly moms and, Hmm. I guess they just under. I guess there's probably a fine line between enabling your kids and like understanding that kids are going to be kids and be curious. And they probably walk that line pretty, pretty finely. But um, it, exactly, it's what you're describing. Like we could go to them when we had a question, right? <laughs> or you know, they they were. They treated us like adults, I think. 
mm. or like young adults, you know, yeah, they, not respect. as, yeah. they treated us with respect. Like and you can handle us. the truth. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. you can, you're mature enough now to learn about this. Right. And I think that's. And the truth is cool. like, I mean, it's so obvious. It just comes back to being, it's just uncomfortable to do it. And you, you know, but it's so obvious because who would you rather be the person to have that conversation? Like instead, you'd rather somebody just go on the internet and try to find this stuff out. Like, mm. wouldn't you know? Anyway, so let me go back to one other thing, and we can kind of close out. But so you had said about the like changing a tire, right? Mm. So I go back and forth on that one too, because whether it's changing a tire or tying a tie or whatever it is, there's a part of me that thinks, yeah, you just Google whatever you want, and you're gonna learn it, right? So maybe the skill is. Learn how to Google stuff. Show your kids how to Google things and find the information, right? But it, there's also another side of me that also thinks that there's some value in teaching those things that are sort of mundane. And maybe it's like for a greater good. <laughs> it like It's not so much, it's not like I'm t- teaching him how to tie a tie so that he learns how to tie a tie, but it's more like I'm teaching him how to tie a tie so that he knows that I care about these practical details in his life. I don't know thoughts on any of that i think all those things are good i just don't think they're as good as the other stuff hmm. <laughs> you know i'm all in favor of teaching your kid out of diet diet for sure i think there's a lot of benefits to that especially the social dynamics like when you're the guy who already knows how to tie a tie and all the other guys ask right them, right that's cool yeah and it seems like, like there's a lot of things the, like that. Like, you know, I can like fish, you're, you know, I, I, or, I, <laughs> I don't know. I would meet kids in high school who were so mature beyond their age, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, like they already knew about drugs. They'd already mm-hmm. tried all the, or they had already, I don't know if they'd already tried them all, but they were already <laughs> beyond it. You know, like they'd, the curiosity had been, uh, you know, they were, they were already beyond it at 16 or 15. Yeah. I think that was probably because of parenting, like exposure. And then when you're already mature enough, all the other kids come to you. So you're it's like, right. It's a respect thing because when you're mature and well-rounded. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Obviously you're not going to be able to show your kids everything. Like there's just, you know, and how do you prioritize? But, it seems like there's a benefit to like the 80% rule or, you know, where you start off and, and you show your kids. So they're 80% of what they're going to know how to do, whether it's, and you know, I've picked the stereotypical like masculine things of like fishing or tying a tie or whatever, but it, it certainly applies to things that are not as traditionally masculine as well. Like how to sew a button or something back onto your shirt or, you know, like whatever the thing is just, the more, I guess that's where I come back to thinking that there is a lot of value in those little things because they're like little nodes that go out into the world. And so then you have this little bit of experience with sewing a button on. So then when somebody has a question about needles, you have a little bit more or or you get interested in or you meet somebody that is super interested in sewing. So you have a little bit more like connection or something. And you don't always know what those things are going to be. I don't know. It's just weird. There's like a lot, you know, there's a lot like to teach and talk about and learn and explore. 
but it's so cool because it's like and that's like i think there's a lot of parenting you know you hear about kids and it's like drudgery and this is no sleep but the coolest part about it is it's like all the stuff that i love about like learning and everything myself i get to go through it again with my kids you know and there's a downside to like pushing your kids like he's gonna learn how to play basketball and he's going to be good because I wasn't good, but I'm going to, I know the skills now to show him, you know, so there's a danger to that too, of like living through your kids. But there's also a cool, like, I don't know what the word, like a wondrous part of it, like where you get to be like watching your kids, like go through the cool stuff that you got to go through and that, you know, they explore different stuff and come up with different ideas. Anyway, David, did you have any other thoughts on the tying the tie? part of the conversation <laughs> oh like uh advice or something well no not so much or it could be advice it could be just thoughts in general about like how do you feel about like all the little things that maybe aren't as big as like learning a language but are just these little skills that you show your kids like do you wish your parents showed you important. more stuff do you wish your yeah listen to your listen to your kid <laughs> on that note yeah <laughs> just be observing your kid I, I can imagine is really hard to do especially as a being super busy as I know you are I remember when I was 14 I really wanted my dad to teach me how to shave yeah like, and I, that's a good example of like yeah I, I had like this really awkward mustache <laughs> that I hated. I still do. <laughs> <laughs> and I really wanted him to just notice that and yeah. teach me how to shave on his own. And I ended up having to like ask him, which isn't bad, you know. He can't read my mind. <laughs> but right. I guess trying to observe what your kid is going through that might be and to kind of put yourself into the position of what a 14 year old might need and what the 14 year old is embarrassed to ask because as a 14 year old you're embarrassed to ask for help at least i was especially with things that are really awkward or confusing yeah personal hygiene or yeah yeah, yeah. so something like shaving it's like maybe taking the initiative as a as a dad what is what is my 14 year old possibly embarrassed to ask me about just taking that step for them and see yeah this goes back to the googling too because you know it's hard for us to kind of think back to 14 i mean part you know might not be completely hard but i'm sure i could just do a google search and be like what are things that 14 year old boys are going through you know yeah. and like uh, there's going to be a list of like a, a thousand things and just go down the list you know because as you said that I hadn't thought of it, but driving was one for me. I remember mm -hmm. uh, I, I remember I was probably 12 or so, but pretty young. At least for me, I thought I was young, but I, there was a time where my car or my dad's car was like parked in a spot. And this guy said, hey, would you mind, you know, pulling your 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 dad's car around, you know, go get the keys or whatever. And I don't think he was joking. Like he could have <laughs> been. I, it's hard to tell now. but he was just like an older like he didn't work on a farm but you know like i imagine like an old time guy that just thinks that like kids 
would know how to back a car because it wasn't like moving it far. It was literally like just backing it up, like, mm-hmm. you know, but I had no idea and I was super nervous and I didn't know what I was doing. And I like, I didn't say, no, I don't know how to drive or I don't know how to even do this. And I went inside and like tried to get the keys and somehow somebody else ended up backing it up. But I remember feeling bad in that situation. Some of that's just getting over feeling bad about stupid stuff, right? So that's on me. But I remember leading up to being 16, like wanting my dad or my mom or somebody to like when I turned 14, I remember thinking, I wonder if they're going to show me how to drive this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they did. Maybe when I was 15, maybe it started then. But it was later than I wanted it to be. So it is yeah. like. Anyway, the mustache story reminded me of that. Yeah. Not to go back to the porn stuff too much, but the another thing the ladies mentioned, uh, another lady, uh, her, her, her son just came up and asked her, um, do I have to choke the girl that I'm having sex with? And, you know, it's like stuff that we don't even, probably doesn't even cross your mind. Right. You know, you assume that the kid is going to know the answer is no to that. Right. But that's all you've seen. The the yeah. stuff that you know. your 14 year old has probably already been exposed to is like way more intense than the stuff we were exposed to. And the stuff we were exposed to was probably way more intense than what our parents were exposed to. So maybe keeping that in mind, like, is my kid on social media? Right. If they are, what are they being exposed to? Is my kid looking at porn and stuff like that? And do I need to explain reality versus fiction? And yes, I don't know. It's a crazy world, man. I don't, I'm glad I'm not 14 right now. <laughs> but God, like it's gotta be crazy to be 14 right now you know with like online dating and there's always there's always a different challenge i think with every generation you know yeah it's like it's got to be super cool too though like because of all the cool like there is social media and you can hang out with your friends all the time and you can get online and just like play video games with people like online like i remember loving to play video games now you can do it online like that's so cool like we're in the middle of a lockdown pandemic for like a year or whatever and we're still like talking to people like that anyway whole other conversation of going of the the times but yeah it's like there's so much it's just so intense now (laughs) you know what i mean or it's potentially so intense there's so much so much hey guys this is david we hope you enjoyed this week's discussion our goal is to inspire people to have more honest and vulnerable conversations you can help us do that by not only sharing the show but also having meaningful conversations of your own. Thank you for listening, and be sure to subscribe to catch our next talk.